If you dig the twisted, admire the outlandish, and are enamored by the unusual, you're in the right place. True crime, the supernatural, the unexplained, now you're speaking our language. If you agree, join us as we dive into the darker side. You know, because it's more fun over here. Welcome to Total Conundrum. Warning, some listeners may find the following content disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. <laughs> hey there, Cryptid Chasers. Welcome back to another thrilling episode of Total Conundrum. I'm Tracy, and this is my partner in crime, Jeremy. That's right, folks. Today we've got a real treat for you. We're joined by none other than Nash Hoover, the cryptid hunter extraordinaire from Chasing Legends. Now, before we dive into the mysterious world of cryptids, we've got some important business to attend to, right, Jeremy? Absolutely, folks. Don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube and ring that notification bell so you never miss a hair-raising adventure. And for our audio-only friends, give us a howl of approval with a stellar rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. You know, chasing cryptids is a lot like chasing those elusive YouTube algorithm boosts. It's all about the thrill of the hunt. It's all about the base, about the base. No travel. I couldn't agree more. And speaking of supporting your fellow hunters, haunters, and true crime enthusiasts, we want to give a shout out to our podcast pals over at Gruesome and Unnatural and a Dead Letter promo. They've got some bone-chilling trailers that will send shivers down your spine. We'll play their trailers during this episode. It's like a podcasting monster mash. Whoa! A podcast monster mash sounds like a cryptid party i want to attend yeah count me in but first let's uncover some cryptid secrets and maybe even share a few laughs along the way so cryptid chasers grab your binoculars adjust your tinfoil hats and get ready for a wild ride nash hoover is in the house oh yeah and chasing legends is about to turn up the mystery meter. Turn up the heat. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. We'll be back after these messages. Hey, everyone. I'm Shelly. And I'm Eric. And we're the hosts of Gruesome and Unnatural, a true crime podcast about murder, cold cases, missing people, and just unnatural Join us every Monday where Shelly tells me gruesome stories that absolutely f*** with me. Yeah, subscribe and listen on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Jeremy, how are you? Good, Tracy, how are you? I'm good, and as you can see, we have a guest today. We have Nash from Chasing Legends. Hey, Nash, how are you? Good, how are you guys? Good. Do you want to tell us a little bit about Chasing Legends and what you do and then shout out uh, where we can find you? Sure. So uh, Chasing Legends is my web series. It follows myself and my small team of filmmakers and fellow researchers. And we travel around the country right now. Uh, Eventually we'll be going global with it. But uh, travel around the country and investigate various cryptid legends. And uh, each episode is a different topic and we, you know, dive really deep into it and kind of explore uh, every possible angle of it. And then 
we put ourselves in the shoes of the people that have seen it and tried to kind of see if we could find our own evidence. Um, we've had some decent success with it. Um, haven't found anything super definitive, but we've definitely had some pretty cool experiences doing it. And uh, it's been a ton of fun. Um, and yeah, we just throw it on YouTube for free and just, just enjoy doing it. Very cool. So you haven't found Bigfoot yet? <laughs> Come on. Believe it or not, we have not. <laughs> oh. um, well, we're just going to cover... Uh, We'll cover a few uh, little housekeeping items. Um, so as you guys can see, hopefully see, we're trying video again. Um, we've been having some technical difficulties with cameras and syncing and all of that stuff. So we finally got PodCastle to work. So we're trying that. So hopefully we'll have video on YouTube this week. Hopefully, knock on wood. And Nash, you're on Instagram and you're on YouTube. And um, are you on any other the other socials? Yeah, we have a Facebook page as well. Okay. Very cool. So everyone, go check out, especially the YouTube, because you can see some pretty cool videos out there. Jeremy and I have been watching them and they're a lot of fun. You got a pretty, uh, I think some of the team has changed a little bit, hasn't it? Yeah, we have. Or will be changing um, a little? Uh, there's only one, well, I should say, there's, in the stuff we're about to do, there will be two original cast members that have been in it since the very beginning. Um, the stuff that we okay. have out now, it kind of changes, but there's uh, usually some consistency between my cousin Michaela and my friend JC. Um, and he's the one that actually is coming back to it. He was not in the most recent four episodes that we put out, but Michaela was. Um, but the, yeah, the team kind of changes, but we've, we've had a pretty consistent, I should I say consistent, but we've, the team that we assembled kind of, in the midst of our uh, three-year hiatus is the same team that we're moving forward with. And most of them have been with it for at least uh, the last few years. Well, that's, it seems like you guys have a lot of fun working together. You've got, you know, there was one video in particular. Hey, one of the team members was shooting somebody off in a distance. Then they're like, we have a rare sighting of, uh, you know, so, was, you know, playing a little fun with it too. So that Eli. was really fun to see. Yeah. Yeah. We, I, I mean, I've really lucked out with some of the people we've gotten to work with. I mean, unfortunately, uh, Alex Petikov and Eli Watson um, are no longer with the series. Uh, they work with small town monsters, so they can't legally uh, do more gotcha. episodes with us. Um but yeah, I mean, the, the crew that we have, I mean, I, I hand select everybody. They're not, you know, just random people that I hire. They're like They're all people that I know or mm -hmm. meet through people that I either have worked with or, or are currently working with. So yeah, we're, we're all like super tight. Um, it, we're true friends and that really shines through. And, I, and that was, that was something when I created the show, I, I wanted to make sure was there. Um, I didn't want it to just seem like a ragtag, like hired bunch of people that have no chemistry whatsoever. Like I wanted there to be that true, like camaraderie between everybody because it, it just, it, 
it, it makes the the stuff more natural and the funny bits more natural and the you know the the tense bits more natural and we really work well together that is very true you've got to have that chemistry and i can definitely you know in the, just the stuff that we watched you can see that you guys definitely all have that close connection and and in doing what you're doing it's not always a safe thing either <laughs> No, so you've got to be out there watching each other's back mm -hmm. and, you know, so you've got to trust in who you're working with. Yeah, I don't think I would ever go to Louisiana and walk around in a swamp at night. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of fun. I, yeah, it was it was a ton of fun. I, I wish that we could have gone into a more like, wild area for our night investigation. But I just it, in the time in the time frame we had to shoot that and just our lack of like good insurance for a show. We just couldn't yeah. make it happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were, yeah, that was, that was probably the most tense night investigation we've ever done up to now. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure I've seen a little fear on your face. <laughs> it, was, it was insane. Yeah. I mean, cause it had just rained. Um, <clears throat> and for context, we're talking about the, the Ruguru episode. Um, yep. it had, it rained the day before, like, and I'm talking like poured, like we, we, I think we had a whole day locked out to shoot. I think we only filmed, I think we filmed the daytime swamp portion. And then we were supposed to go do the boat ride with the, with uh, Billy Gaston. And then it just downpoured. So we, the whole, we pretty much had, I think we only, we shot up to like maybe 11 AM noon and then had to stop the whole rest of the day because it was just pouring rain. Um, and luckily we had like a day with a little bit more availability the following day. So we were able to kind of move the boat tour to like our investigation day. Um, so yeah, so it had just rained the day before. So we had all these, you know, spiders, the size of my hand making webs all at head height. So we're trying to dodge <laughs> those in the dark. And then, you know, and then it's like this three foot wide, like wooden walkway that just goes through the swamps with no railing on the sides. And it was just super slick. Um, it was, yeah. And then numerous times I would look down and I could see like gators swimming underneath the wood plank. Which, <laughs> like I would kind of look down. Most of the time I didn't even like mention it because I knew like most of my guys were already like super on edge. So I would just kind of see them and I just would like kind of look back to make sure they didn't see it and then keep walking. <laughs> um, then when, yeah, then when we got to the one, point. we got to the one point where we just shined our lights out and we could just see like three or four of them just sitting there looking at us. We're like, this is so dumb. <laughs> we don't get paid anything for this. And we're just out in the, <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, I could probably do like those wooden planks, but then you guys were walking on like a two by twelve or something, crossing something mm -hmm. at some point. Yeah, it uh, was it was hairy. Um, <laughs> and I th that was like, you know, we've we've had some like tense situations doing this show, but that was like the one episode where I was like, no one's gonna come back and do this show ever again. Like I've lost my entire team to this, and I haven't. Like everyone, like. <laughs> I was shocked. Like everyone stuck with it. Like, you know, uh, my cousin Michaela was probably the most on edge and I always laugh because I, and I always, always show her the clips because I always, I, when I was editing the episode, I had to cut her audio for most of it because you can just see here just like stress puffing on her vape. And it's just, it's hilarious. Like you just hear these deep suck-ins and blowouts. So she was just so on edge. Um, 
<laughs> but yeah, I was I was shocked because we actually got we went we all met at back up at the end of it and I forgot that I had left a trail camera like pretty deep back in. So I was like, well, I'm gonna go back and get this camera. You know, like I don't care. You guys can all stay here, like I'll go in alone. I don't care. So I started walking back and then I turn around that because I could hear footsteps running up behind me, and it was my director of photography, Sammy, who was the last person I expected to go in alone with me into back into this environment, especially after the alligator incident that we had. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was in, you know, that was one where I really had to like kind of ask everybody like, are, you know, is everyone fine? Like you, this, you know, we could have died. Um, it was that, <laughs> like, that was that, you know, that close. Um, We're still and, here, uh, but is everybody okay? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I was shocked, you know, that I, I'm, I'm shocked and humble that everyone stuck with it and is, is willing to uh, go back and allow me to put them in those situations again. Um, but yeah, I mean that, uh, and I remember when we had that alligator incident in the episode, it, it sucks that you can't really see much of it and you can't really hear much of it. Um, but as soon as they went, as soon as they started like splashing and like, and just like getting close I stood my ground and everybody just left me. Like <laughs> you see, you see everyone take off running in the camera and the camera pans back. And I'm just like calmly walking back to everybody. Like, what the hell guys? Like, thanks. <laughs> but uh, yeah, luckily, uh, yeah, luckily nothing, nothing, luckily nothing happened there. And uh, we all walked out of there with all of our limbs intact. That's crazy. The only two experiences I've ever had with alligators was one, we went to Louisiana just for a day trip. And because our youngest, Maddie, had never been to the ocean. So we were in Tennessee visiting my in laws. And we went from Tennessee down to Orange Beach, Alabama, brought her to the Gulf for the day. And then from there, we drove, got a hotel in Mississippi, I believe. And then we decided we were going to do a day in NOLA or like in New Orleans. And then we did a swamp tour in the morning, spent the evening in New Orleans, did a ghost and ghost like mystery tour mm -hmm. type thing. So it was just a quick little stint, but we went out on the swamp tour. So, you know, we we're taking the boats over the cypress trees and, you know, that was really fun. I would love to, yeah. love to do that again. But then when we were in Florida, I don't remember where we went in April, I think. Um, we were staying at this resort and right outside of the back of our townhouse that we were staying in, they had a pond. And every morning we'd sit outside. I'm like, there's gators in that pond. I just know it. And Jeremy and Dylan <laughs> kept telling me, no, the whole place is fenced. There's no gators. It's fine. It's fine. And the next day I wake up and Jeremy's down at the pond and I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, there's a gator in it. I'm like, I told you and get away from the pond. <laughs> yeah. And my, then, uh, my wife and I honeymooned in uh, New Orleans last year. And uh, so that was the first time I've been back down there since we shot that episode in 2020 uh -huh. so it was kind of fun to kind of get back out into the swamps again and you know see these gators and then obviously i was in florida just this last week and yeah. went into the, the mayaka swamp uh west of or east of uh, sarasota which is where like the famous mayaka skunk ape photo was taken and there was like like i've never seen so many 
like alligators in one spot just on the banks, you know, and then, you know, this is like true wild swamp. Like, you know, you're just on a dirt path, like, and they're right there. Like the park range we ran into, like we had our two-year-old just running around and they're like, do not let him go next to the, next to the water. I'm like, well, duh, like <laughs> he's perfect, <laughs> like perfect alligator food. But uh, yeah, I, I, it's weird. Cause like, I never thought I would love that environment but I do. It's just so, there's so much biodiversity in those swamps and it's, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, I've still, I, I've tempted, I've tempted uh fate a few times with gators since that, uh, since that ordeal in that episode. And I'm still, I'm still okay. As <laughs> I was shocked. We went on an ecological tour, kind of like a swamp tour type thing that you would do in New Orleans, but in Florida, and we, you know, were able to see like manatees off in the distance and mm-hmm. stuff. And the captain of the boat that we went out on, he was uh, just sharing all these stories and stuff. And then I told him about, you know, the gators in the pond by our um, our rental or whatever. And I was like, can they climb fences? He's like, oh, yeah, they scale chain link fences like it's nobody's business. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like there's no yeah. place safe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, alligators are wild. And then you know, and then with you know Florida, you've got a billion other things to worry about. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> definitely you snakes. Yeah, yeah, and then you well, know the handful of Nile crocodiles that they found in the Everglades since the nineties. <laughs> right. What is the big difference between? I know you mentioned the skunk ape. What is the difference between the skunk? ape and Bigfoot. So when it comes to Bigfoot, um, I know I'm not alone in this. Um, there's regional variants, obviously, you know, Bigfoot's not a singular, you know, creature as I feel like it's sometimes led to believe it is, um, you know, biologically from a biological standpoint, if this is a real animal, there's gotta be a population of them. They can't just be a singular. Right. Um, especially for how back, how far back sightings go. And, you know, this is a global phenomenon. Um, so skunk ape is essentially, it's just Florida's version of Bigfoot. It's just their okay. species, just if you will. It's, you know, um, it's adapted to living in the wet, in swampy the environments. The yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, with, I mean, you've got like the Honey Island Swamp Monster in Louisiana too. And there's other like swamp apes that are kind of described in that kind of whole Southern region. Um, so it's definitely, the skunk ape definitely isn't uh, alone in that sense of, you know, being a swamp dwelling Bigfoot. Uh, but the skunk ape definitely does have a lot more like popularity in terms of their, de- it's definitely like, if you kind of look at like, you know, a, a chart of different Bigfoot variants, it's definitely going to be towards the top. Um, but yeah, I mean, you've got, you know, I can't even name all of the different regional variants of, of Yeah. Yowie, Yeti, Yaren. Um, it's the Almasi. Yeah. It's yeah. So do you, what is your thoughts on the, there's people that talk about um, like Bigfoot being like interdimensional and how they escape so fast as they're going through portals and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) 
So you got the paranormal part of it in that aspect, and then you've got, you know, the cryptids and the paranormal sometimes cross. You know, they cross there's, paths. There's definitely the cases where they, stuff, where they, so. yeah, there's definitely cases where they can, they do bridge. Um, I definitely take a more like biologist approach to cryptozoology. So I'm like, I see, I look at them as like mm-hmm. flesh and blood. So if it's, if it's too outlandish, I'm just like, I'm not even going to touch it. Um, I mean, we have looked at, you know, <laughs> we, we have looked at a few um, with the show. And obviously like the Pukwudgie is one where it's, that's definitely more on like the folklore side. Rougarou um, is another one that's more than likely just Cajun folklore. Um, just because there's not really anything like in Louisiana that could be like mistaken as a large canine. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm definitely what is called in the community as an aper. So I'm, I definitely see them as an animal, not a, you know, something from another dimension that can just kind of vanish as right. you were saying. Um, I, we run into that a lot. It's for whatever reason, it's, that has become a lot more of a popular stance. Um, but to each their own. We, I mean, we're talking about a subject that has no definitive one way or another. So, I mean, everyone's entitled to their own, but we just run into a lot of it where it's people are definitively one side or the other. And if you even like try to argue either side you just are getting attacked um and uh it's unfortunate because it's, it's tough to like move forward as a community when you've got so many like gatekeepers that are just like nope this is how it is this is what these things are like, nah, dude like <laughs> yeah we, we just did uh it hasn't aired yet but um we did a um episode on flat earth and then jeremy <laughs> made up his own flat earth <laughs> It's a good nice. one. <laughs> so the kind of that aspect, I laughed so hard when he was researching that, listening to the scientists go against the flat earthers, because it was sounded to me like two third graders arguing back and forth. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Where's your proof? Well, where's your proof? <laughs> it's becoming, it's Which becoming is just kind of crazy. unfortunately. There is like, there's a... Right. There's a good group. There's a good group of us that are like, you know, we meet halfway with each other. Like there's a lot of good researchers that I've, you know, aligned myself with that, you know, we actually will come to each other for like, oh, well, you can, you know, you speak, you know, you've got more info on this subject. You've got more info on that subject sort of thing. So that, you know, there is definitely that sharing of knowledge between a good, a good group of us um, that have a lot of respect for each other because we, have the same kind of mindset towards it where, you know, we're not dipping our toe into the, you know, the woo side of it. And uh, we are willing to approach the topics objectively and discuss rather than state. Um, uh, And it's great. Um, But yeah, there's definitely, you know, I've left quite a few like cryptid Facebook groups recently because it's just like over the nothing top. but nothing but blurry photos of bushes with you know the red circles and look at look at this was looking right at me like dude there's nothing there like if you've got <laughs> if you got a if you have to zoom in and draw something there's nothing there you're just 
trying right. to like yeah like well give me and something the human clearer. eye is the human eye is trained to make faces mm-hmm. or the human the brain or the eye whatever we are trained or is we try to find faces in everything that we see and so yeah you can yeah if you look hard enough you'll probably generate a face out of it but if you have to look that hard how'd you see it in the first place well that's just it with some of these photos it's like oh i was you know i was 10 feet from this thing it's like no you weren't (laughs) you wouldn't be standing in front of me right now telling me this if you were 10 feet from this thing right (laughs) like no way (laughs) well i suppose we can start getting into some of our questions um we kind of how do you guys choose which cryptid you're going to go after or for your So adventure? I started researching this subject when I was like seven or eight years old. Um, and then it, it was always just kind of a passion of mine growing up. And then once I kind of, you know, had once I was out of school and had some adult money, I was like, I'm going to, you know try and see if I can, you know, actually do some boots on the ground investigations with this. And that kind of led to the, in 2013, led to the creation of Chasing Legends. Um, so when we were kind of in that early phase, I compiled a list that is continually growing. I think we're at like 75 different okay. cases. Wow. Um, and that's not including ones that we've done episodes on. Um and those are all like extensively researched and um, are ones that I think are worth looking into. Um, definitely with cryptozoology, there's like hundreds more that I think are just, you know, not worth my time. Um, not that they're bad, like legends by any means, but um, we kind of lo- have like a set of rules that, you know, it's like it has to have the potential to exist in the real world and not just folklore. Um, right. So, yeah, we definitely have like a laundry list of of kind of factors that we that go into something that we consider worthy of us funding an entire production around and expedition around looking into. And uh, so, it's, so it's kind of a group effort. Then you all kind of make the decision of what to track next. It's mostly mine. Um, I'm the, out of my whole team, I mean, everyone's into this um, to a degree, um, but I'm definitely the one that's got like the most knowledge on the subject. So everyone has pretty much gotten to the point where whatever I, you know, I definitely will throw it out there. Like I'll send out like, you know, a list of like three or four, like, hey, which one of these do you guys think we should, you know, go after kind of a thing. But most of the time it's just, you know, if I, if I think it's worth our, our time, then it's worth our time. Um, okay. which is nice. Yeah, everyone kind of trusts my judgment and um, I haven't led them. I mean, I've obviously read, led them into gator infested swamps, but I haven't read, <laughs> I haven't <led> them <laughs> wrong <laughs> yet. Um, but uh, yeah, there's definitely, I mean, there's a good level of trust um, throughout the team, but uh, yeah, everyone definitely is more than happy to, just to kind of like, you know, what do you want to do? And, you know, we just kind of look at the list and uh, just like, go oh, for it. Yeah. Like, well, we can, you know, this is close to this. So we, you know, we could do two back to back sort of a thing. And I like, oh, go, well, you know, 
however many thousands of dollars to fly to Central Africa, so probably shouldn't do that yet. And like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice to have somebody else split that bill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I say that all the time. If we uh, we had uh, all the money in the world, it would we'd probably be on the road 300 days a year doing this. Yeah, it would be fun, definitely. Well, can you share... Um, one of your most fascinating or challenging cryptid investigations that you've conducted? We've talked about it already. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, yeah, it definitely, uh, Ruguru in Louisiana was probably the most, um, I champ. can see that. <laughs> the champ investigation was another one where like a few of us looked at each other and were like, this is the dumbest thing we've ever done. Cause we were in the middle of Lake Champlain, which mind you is 400 and, 20 ish feet deep that they're aware of. Um, and we are out there in the middle of the middle of the night in kayaks looking for I a lake saw monster. that. I saw that. That was um, crazy. <laughs> because that was our we had boats lined up and then there was some issues and we were there doing COVID, so none of the marinas were open, so we couldn't rent anything. Luckily we found uh it was a, a couple that we actually interviewed in the episode. Um and then they uh, was the couple that had like the most recent sighting that we interviewed and uh, they were like in, you know, so and they, we just got, you know, we just chat and we're chatting with them and they were really cool. And, um, and they were like, yeah, we've got, you know, we've had, we know somebody that has two pontoons that they could take you out. Well, then there was issues you know, it was like one of the motors didn't work. And then like one of the trailers, the uh, wheel bearings was all messed up so they couldn't move it. So we're like, all right, screw it. And the guy, luckily, I mean, the guy was nice enough. He's like, you guys can come over to my house. I've got, I've got three kayaks. I'm like, it's better than nothing. Like at this point, <laughs> sure. At least we're out on the water. So it was, uh, it was me, Alex Petikov, and then my sound guy, Jack, were the first three that went out. So my sound guy, Jack, is in this kayak with our full, like we call the pregnancy pack of our sound equipment that he is wired up to, wirelessly wired to Alex and I. And then he's also trying to film himself and us. And then Alex and I all both also have cameras and we're filming each other and ourselves trying not to lift, like lean too far either way because we would tip ourselves. And Alex, I'm pretty sure it was in an open kayak. So he had nothing around him. Like he was just basically sitting on top of, you know, it was essentially like a, uh, like a wake or a, not a wakeboard, uh, paddle like a paddleboard, but it had kind of a seat in it. So paddle it was an open, yeah. just, it was a kayak, but it was totally open. So he couldn't move at all. And he, so he's trying to like turn himself to film things. And uh, yeah, there was, I think one point Alex went back to shore and it was just Jack and I, and we like locked arms. So we were just together and it was probably one of the coolest moments we've ever experienced where we just kind of like laid back, turned our lights off. And it was just like so dark because we were so far away from anything that the stars were just like so bright. And we're just in the middle of this like glass lake. And I keep looking at my GPS. I'm like, well, we're slowly drifting into the middle of the lake. So we, you know, we, I won't, at some point we're going to have to like, you know, start paddling back. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, I think, I vaguely remember Jack and I looking at each other like this is the dumbest thing we've ever done. Like at any moment, one of us can <laughs> fall in or drop a camera and we're done. Like it's <laughs> um, that. So that was probably like one of the more challenging in terms of just like actually doing the investigation. Um, but yeah, Louisiana was probably like the, is the 
as of right now, the craziest environment we've ever worked in. All right. Do you have the next one, Jeremy? Uh, what's the most surprising discovery you've made during your investigations? Do you find any tracks? Curious. Uh... We've not found any. Well, so this is a. We shot an episode in 2019 that never actually like released because we it was incredibly rushed and we didn't have time to film a lot of like things to tie it together. So we just never put it out. And of course it was an episode where we found a lot of good evidence in our investigation. <laughs> um, so yeah, we were, um, and I'll kind of, you know, hint at, so we, this is an, this is a, a subject that we're going to, uh, actually film a proper episode on this year. Um, but it's looking into dog band sightings in Wisconsin. Okay. Oh, Which, like the Briar Road type stuff, and I'm not even gonna like go there on this trip because it's uh, it's so for me to, we don't have time for me to get into Briar Road. Um, <laughs> it's the rant is too long, but uh, yeah. So it's you know it's outside of Bray Road. There is you know a lot of uh, area in like Kettle Moraine, both units of the Kettle Moraine State Forest that have these dogman sightings and just whatever. So. Um, so yeah, so one of our upcoming episodes this year is going to be doing that properly. Um, and uh, that'll be a cool episode because we have some pretty cool plans for that one. But anyway, so 2019, we went out um, and attempted to film um, out there and we were, we hadn't even started our investigation yet. We literally, we found a place to park and to hike into this wood, uh, wooded area and cameras were rolling but we like weren't even really like we our plan was to hike as far in as we could before before it got dark set up a base camp and that would kind of be our like central investigation hub and we were maybe 150 200 yards from the start of our walk into the forest and my cousin Michaela happened to look down and she's like uh guys and we all kind of turn and look and there were like huge like canine footprints so we're like wow. all right well that uh that kind of goes along with what we're looking for and there was a ton <laughs> of them like i'm a, a ton of them like and you know they wow. were like the size of you know the palm of my hand if not bigger like we we ended up casting wow. it i have it it's behind me in that like white shelf thing you can see behind me it's on that shelf um and this is a definitive canine print so it's um I had it looked at. It's from a gray wolf, um, which is kind of lends to my theory on dogman sightings in Wisconsin is that people are just misidentifying gray wolves because gray wolves were within the last like 20, 30 years reintroduced into Wisconsin. So, you know, if you've never seen a gray wolf and you've heard these stories, you're just your brain's just going to either make it bigger or, you know, kind of blur some lines and you've now seen a dogman. Um so that was pretty interesting. And um, so, yeah, I mean, that was probably like the the first and only like real physical evidence that we've ever like obtained. And unfortunately, it was an episode that nobody ever saw. Um, but uh, yeah, that was that was cool because, it, like I said, it, it just it led to, um you know, it was in line with what was being reported of large canine creatures. 
Um, not saying we found the tracks of Dogman, but we definitely found some very large canine tracks. Right. Uh, that's well, and either either would be scary <laughs> when you're yeah. out in the middle of nowhere. And then we heard howling. So as what we are got deeper into the? <laughs> oh really? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like wolf Halloween or just? Wow. It was either wolves or uh, wolves or coyotes, but there was numerous animals that we, oh, excuse me, that we uh, heard and recorded um, because, like, the, you know, we were on like a, you know, it was it was a pathway going into this woods. And, uh, you know, we were following a set of these tracks, you know, through down this path. We're like, well, it's, you know, it's just obviously go where this is, you know. And, uh, right. yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, yeah. And then, uh, not that I was probably maybe, yeah, maybe 20, 30 minutes in from where we found the track, the first tracks that we heard the howling. Wow. So what are some of the essential tools or equipment that you use when you're investigating cryptids in the field? Um, eyes and ears um, is what we kind of rely on the most. Um, my, I, I have a FLIR thermal imager that I have on me at all times. Um, it's both as, as an investigation tool and as a safety tool. And um, are my sound guy... Um, always has a boom mic on he's always listening not only to us but he's listening to you know everything around us and alerts us to anything that he hears that's not us um but yeah mostly i just you know i tell my guys like you know be on alert head on a swivel like you know eyes ears look look listen you know, we periodically will stop and just kind of sit with all of our lights off in the dark and just kind of let things, you know, come back to life in the, you know, wherever we are. And uh, we've gotten some decent. Uh... We'll be back after these messages. In a world where the ordinary meets the extraordinary, prepare the journey beyond the veil of reality to uncover secrets that defy explanation. Welcome to a Dead Letter Podcast where we delve into the mysterious and unexplained phenomena that have fascinated humans for centuries. In each episode, we will explore some of the most intriguing and spine-tingling aspects of the paranormal world. But beware, for the line between reality and the supernatural is thinner than you think. Will you dare to listen? I guess things happen in those uh, instances with, in the case of when we were in uh, Arizona investigating the Mokingan Monster, which is Arizona's Bigfoot, um, there was definitely when we stopped and we're just, no one was moving and we could definitely hear like twigs snapping and something, you know, moving. It, it, it sounded like there was like more than one cause it, we were hearing on, on kind of all sides of us. Um, so that was kind of interesting, but, uh, yeah, we don't take too much with us. Um, you know, we rely a lot on the thermal, um, and then I have a lot of like, you know, safety equipment that I carry with me. That's, um, you know, a satellite communicator and other things that I've acquired after the uh, Louisiana incident, um, just for uh, peace of mind. And, uh, yeah. but then we have a, a full evidence kit that I've assembled. That's, you know, got casting powder and photo scale, uh, photo scale, like crime scene, photo scale rulers. And, uh, evidence bags and tweezers and all this, all the fun stuff. Very cool. All right. 
Um, have you ever had a particularly eerie or unexplained experience during investigation? Which you probably yeah, that's probably more <laughs> yeah, probably more of the Louisiana one again. Louisiana and then Mogollon Monster, Mogollon Rim, because um, we ended up splitting the two teams because a lot of the the folklore and the stories around Mogollon Monster is that it it seems to be attracted to like camps, and that's where it seems to kind of attack um, campsites. So we had a team that just sat at camp all night, and they had stuff happening. And then there was the ground team, you know, that I led that was, you know, deeper in and we had stuff happening and it almost seemed like, like the, the sounds were like almost drawing us away from camp because I'd periodically look at my GPS and like, okay, oh. we're going, you know, cause we'd hear the sounds and it would be kind of in this direction. So we would head that direction stop and then we'd hear it farther away again. So we just, you know, it seemed like, it, you know, it probably was not what the case was, but it definitely seemed like something was like drawing us apart. Um, because the team at the camp heard, you know, with the, you know, what sounded like wood knocking and, um, some pretty wild sounds, um, where they were. So, you know, Sasquatch or not, there was definitely some, something else out there in the, in the forest with us. Um, which is crazy because, Earlier in that day, not far from where we actually did our investigation, I prob- I saw probably the largest wild wolf that I've ever seen in my life um, wow. move through. Actually, like we were driving down this like back rural like mountain dirt road, and it literally came from the side of the road, leaped across. I don't even know where it came from. All I saw was it jumping. All four paws touched pretty much dead center of the road. It leaped again and was across the road and gone like, wow. like only two of us saw it and uh so yeah so i mean and then obviously we have and then uh i shouldn't say obviously um in mogian rim area of arizona they have one of the largest wild elk herds in the country which we ended up in the middle of um so that was cool and then we could hear them um, before we were wrapping up our night investigation, which I think some of the sounds made into the episode where you could hear them bugling in the distance. And that was insane to hear. Um, oh, I'm sure. In the, yeah, when you're in the dark and you're only lit by a campfire and you just hear these like crazy bugling sounds from the distance. And um, so, yeah, who knows what we encountered that night? But yeah, there was definitely something that we were audibly hearing both with our ears and with our sound equipment that was moving around out there with us. That's crazy. Well, the next question we've pretty much covered, and that was kind of like the regional differences between like the cryptids. So we'll go ahead and skip over that one. Jeremy, do you want to? What goes into making and shooting of Chasing Legends? Oh, boy. How many camera dudes? (laughs) So we, we have two. Two main camera guys. We have Sammy Vernay, which is my director of photography. And then we have Jack Kozitsa, who actually used to, was our audio guy in the three of the four um, episodes that we put out recently, or I shouldn't say recently, but they're the most recent episodes. But he is now picking up our second camera position. And then JC Yang, who has been in the show since day one, who originally was our sound guy, is now coming back to do sound for us. Um and then I have myself, obviously, and then my cousin Michaela is kind of just my 
right hand co-researcher investigator person um and she just kind of like helps out wherever um so yeah there's five of us currently at one point we had seven uh crew member in the uh, the four episodes that we put recently which was nice because we had you know two extra hands that could just kind of jump in and fill in camera wise uh if needed right. so that we were able to get a lot of extra angles um so yeah, so we're you know as of right now operating as a five uh, a five person team, um, and uh, yeah, so we once we kind of settle on an episode subject, it's numerous uh, Zoom meetings um, and in person meetings, which I actually next Saturday have our main in person meeting for the first episode that we're filming uh, coming up in March, and uh, we just sit down take all of the information that we have and essentially build the episode. We need to shoot these things for sure. If we can get these things great, but they're not necessary. We, you know, we're scheduling interviews for this time and this time, and that leaves this much time in between to travel there and shoot other things. Um, you know, we break everything up by day. So, you know, we, you know, actually do like professional, like uh, TV production call sheets um, that, everybody on the team gets and that actually has like our you know okay we're arriving at our airbnb this time on this day we'll have a meeting this night we're not, but no but no production is happening so it's pretty lax and then the our main production day or days we'll have you know we need to be out the door by 8 9 a.m here at this time um try to eat and try to leave a hour or so window to eat in the middle of the day um if we know if we can't, we try to get something on the go. And then, you know, we have like our wrap time and all that stuff. So yeah, the the production side of it is probably more of the uh, headache than like the research side of it. Um, I, th- I, I enjoy both. Um, it's just fun to kind of like build these and then like go out on location and then actually like see it come together. Um, but when we first started this, we would just kind of like pick a topic and then just go and shoot it and hope for the best. Um, and then usually it never worked out in our favor. So now we, you know, we're trying to up our production value and up our content. So, you know, we like, we can't have episodes that we shoot and don't get released. So we, we make sure that, you know, we have everything laid out that we need to get to put it together and then that also helps me in the edit because then I have this whole like blueprint essentially of the episode where I can just, you know, find my clips and lay it all together. And, you know, it just streamlines everything. So yeah, there's, cool. there's quite a bit that goes in into the production side of it and it's, it's all I'm fun. Sure. <laughs> well, um, so what do you do to kind of involve your audience mm-hmm. in your cryptid investigations? So we, um, one thing we used to do, and I'm going to get back into it now that we're um, going to start filming again, is we used to do some like Facebook Live stuff, like on location, like if we had like some downtime. Well, you know, if we're just shooting B-roll or whatever, I would jump on and just be like, "Hey, you know, we're out here filming. This is what we're doing," kind of a thing. Um, and then I think we'll do is I'll you know I'll throw out in into the ether, you know, hey, what are some things that you would like us you know to see us go after and 
you know, we, we've always encouraged uh, people to reach out and either with their own, own sightings or their own uh, recommendations for us for mm-hmm. possible episodes. And there's quite a few on, on the list that I have that have come from our fans. Um, Very cool. That I have not, you know, either heard about or have really like considered. And then, you know, I'll have somebody be like, Hey, you know, this is, you know, you should look into this. I can point you in the right direction. You know, if you want to, you know, reach out to me, if you decide to do it, I can, you know, help you out sort of thing. So it's, it's good to kind of have that. Um, but yeah, we've, you know, we, I love our fan base. I mean, this is, wouldn't be a thing if we didn't have a fan base. Right. And, um, I've We're always, the same. We love our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I always make that as clear as I possibly can. Like, you know, this, you know, we're, I, I love this subject. So like, I'm always open to people reaching out and talking different things. And, you know, if it helps me out with, you know, future episode content and this and that, absolutely. Um, so yeah, we, we try to, um, involve as much as we can. Good. So I think I'm going to skip down a little bit. Sure. So next one I'm going to ask is, uh, is there a dream location or a dream cryptid that you want to cover soon? Just too many. <laughs> Your favorite one. That's I mean, our dream is to do this, is to take this entirely globally. Um, not that there's not enough within the U.S. that we could explore, but there's just not enough for us to look into that I feel is like interesting enough to justify doing a whole show on just us cryptids. Um, but yeah, I, I, and in me personally, from a research standpoint, I enjoy researching the international ones because there's just a lot more depth to them in terms of, especially from like a cultural side of, uh, you know, where these things come from. Um, and there's just a lot more, you know, interesting angles you can take an investigation with some of these international ones. Um, thylacine is definitely on the top of my list. Um, that's probably my favorite non-cryptid cryptid just because it was a real animal, um, that went extinct in the 1930s and is reported to still be seen, uh, up to today. Um, but I mean that one, and I've got, you know, a handful of, uh, I should say, I should, I should back to thylacine, also known as a Tasmanian tiger for, it is, I not know, the, you know, either for uh, variation of the name. Um, I looked that month. up when, when we were talking about that and chat, that thing is crazy looking. Mm-hmm. Was the the mouth of it is like mm-hmm. 80, yeah, 80 the degrees. Mouth, it could I'm sorry. The mouth was like, it reminded me of, um, uh, what, uh, that uh, Beetlejuice movie where the ghost, yeah, it just <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, it was a, it was like a, basically it was like a marsupial wolf. Um, so it is, it was a marsupial, so it was in the same family as kangaroos. It had a pouch and it, you know, it had live young that, you know, were birthed into the pouch and uh, eventually would come out similar to a kangaroo. Um, but they were a carnivore, um, almost a wolf, and uh, they went extinct in mainland Australia after the introduction of the dingo because it was basically just outcompeted food. Um, and then uh, 
they lived, they were also up in uh, New Guinea, Papua New Guinea. Um, and it's also believed that they were out committed, out competed by the dingoes, but I don't think that's entirely possible. Um, but uh, they survived in Tasmania because dingoes weren't introduced there. So they were able to thrive up to the early 1900s where unfortunately a bounty was put out on them because they were deemed a threat to sheep farmers, which now there's evidence that they weren't and they oh, were no. essentially eradicated um, on the island of Tasmania. The last one um, dying in uh, the zoo, the Bumeris Zoo in Hobart, Tasmania in 1936 um, because it was locked out of its cage outside oh, and it Wasn't essentially it? like yeah. froze to death. Um, I read that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to kind of go back to the uh, Papua New Guinea thing, that's um, where I and some other biocene researchers think that they could still be thriving because Papua New Guinea and uh, New Guinea, the Western New Guinea, Western Papua, um, it's so like highly unexplored that there's no definitive way of knowing for sure if they are totally gone. And there's so many stories from, you know, inland tribes that speak of the striped dogs that they encounter in the, in the jungles and all this stuff. Um, so yeah, that's and definitely they one have stripes on their hind end. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's where the whole, that's where like the tiger kind of name came from is because right. they just have these crazy stripes. Um, but yeah, I know, uh, uh, there's a, company called Colossal Biosciences. Um, they're a, a, a de-extinction company, is what they claim to be, and that's one of the uh, creatures that they plan to essentially bring back to life through genetics is the phylocene as well as the woolly mammoth. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. so uh, yeah, I mean, I believe they're still roaming around. I've got quite a few contacts in Tasmania that think the same and they would obviously know because they're there um but uh yeah it's you know it's definitely thylacine is definitely one of those romantic uh stories that you i think a lot of people are obsessed with just because of the the how it went was all by our hands right and, uh, which is sad it's unfortunate um yeah i think that's probably on the top of my list um i've got a couple other ones that are like would be dream uh, Mapanguari is one of them, which is a uh, Central Amer or South American, Brazilian, Peruvian kind of cryptid. Um, it got roped into the Bigfoot category, which I think is incorrect. Um, the initial descriptions of it uh, talk about it having backwards feet and a mouth on its abdomen, which I think is oh. the, the folklore <laughs> end of it takes place or kind of falls in. Um, I believe that, and this is again, kind of coming from my biologist stance. I'm not a biologist, but I kind of take more of that stance. Um, I think they possibly could be a uh, surviving population of what's called a megatherium, which was the giant ground sloth that exists back in the Pleistocene ice age. Um, very large. It fits, fits a lot of the descriptions of what people claim um, for the Mapanguari. Um, and that's kind of where my head goes to. Um, if it is, could be a flesh and blood animal, that's the only thing that did exist that could fit the description. So 
when you look at it, and this is again kind of why I love these the international stuff is do you look at it as the sighting? Do you look at the sightings as something that people are still currently seeing? Or or a lot of these stories that come out of the uh, the indigenous tribes of the Amazon, are they just stories that have been passed down thousands of years by their ancestors that did actually encounter these creatures? Um so you know, that's just, again, that's one of those awesome things about international cryptozoology is there's just so many layers. Um, and then my, probably my third pick would be the Orang Pendek, um, which is another Bigfoot creature out of uh, Sumatra. And it's actually, uh, they're described as being only like three to four feet tall. Um, and the jungles of Sumatra are incredibly dense, incredibly unexplored. So the possibility of finding a three to four foot tall, you know, primate creature is, you know, it's, that lends a lot of credibility to the possibility of their existence. And uh, there's a lot of uh, prominent scientists and conservationists that have worked in that uh, region that have pretty much stated that it would be weird for them not to exist, um, given the sightings and the people that report them. And, uh, and there was a, a, a now discovered past species of hominid known as the uh, Homo floresensis that existed. I don't know the specific dates, um, but that was essentially like a hobbit person. That's how they described it, where all the skeletal remains that they have found of that um, were like three to four feet tall. And it was within wow. that kind of region where it, you know, if it's not saying that it is a, you know, surviving species of these things but that's kind of what a lot of people have kind of connected to orang pendex stuff um i think it's probably just a you know if it if, if it is something current it's probably just something that we've not discovered before because that's just what's more likely to me given the area that they're seen in um right. but yeah and uh yeah Seemingly, all the ones that I really want to go after are in areas that are very tough to look for things. <laughs> well, I'm going to ch <laughs> change up the next question a little bit because we've kind of already covered it. So I am going to ask you what your thoughts are on the Fresno Nightcrawler. Do you think it's a cryptid? Do you think it's a hoax? <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> is it right up there with the boogeyman have you ever seen the videos on that yet jay yeah i remember i remember when that first when that story first broke and that video first came out and i remember the fact or fact episode about it and they couldn't debunk it right um i don't know it's not one that i've ever really like put much Which time into yeah. um i know people that have um but it's not really a subject that I've really ever been interested into to like ask them like, Hey, what do you think of this? Um, it seems like it for whatever reason gets roped into cryptozoology, but I don't think that it's, it's if anything, it should fall into like ufology or like paranormal. Like well, for me or for anybody who doesn't know what the Fresno nightcrawler is, just think of a giant tooth walking with no arms. <laughs> the video is definitely cool um and from what i understand like i said i've not really put i have not put any sort of research into this but from what i understand it's always only been that video 
and it seemingly yeah, has blown up. Um, uh, like I said, I could be wrong. I haven't put much, you know, don't come after me, please. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and it yeah, could I feel like it's, the, there might I think be just it was the, the one. I think it was just that one video, and for some yeah. reason it's become... I think the, the one other town. one I was thinking of was the people that were trying to debunk it. So I think yeah, that's there's been a lot of that. that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Factor faked. That was the whole episode. Yes. Yes. Went at, went at that and tried various things. And yeah, it's creepy. I, I mean, basically, it looks like, or I guess you could describe it as pants. Like a pair of pants walking without any upper body or something, but I, I don't think know that was why. One of the experiments that they did too, where they like had like pants on like some sort of like pulley system, like draping, and then they right. had like a toddler walk across the lawn, which that obviously wasn't what we're seeing here. Um, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's well. This leads <laughs> this leads into Jeremy's next question. Oh, it does. It really does, What's yeah. What's my next question? <laughs> uh, 17. Oh, 17. Uh, how do you approach separating fact from fiction in Krypton lore? It is a fun time. Um, <laughs> yeah, it really all comes down to, like, the research. Um, you know, like I said, the, the list of cryptids that we... Uh, consider four episodes are like thoroughly looked into. Um, I mean, there's a few on the list that I have that, you know, after like further research, um, it's pretty much come down to, okay, the sightings are there, but there's nobody to talk to. So we can't do that. And, um, you know, or, will look into something and there's either just no information for whatever reason or whatever reason we find points in a completely different direction than we, we were even thinking it was going to go. Um, but yeah, from, you know, we interview quite a few people in the Mogia monster episode. We interviewed some people that were on more of the woo side and, I didn't know that until we showed up to interview them in the middle of the woods with no cell phone reception. And uh, so that was kind of interesting. And we just kind of like went with it. And luckily they didn't really like talk about it in the interview section, which I, we all thought was strange because they were like, that was like their whole thing. And then we sat down to do the interview with them and they didn't discuss it at all. That's like, what <laughs> like so i don't know if wow. either they picked up that we didn't believe in that stuff and we didn't want to talk about that or they just i don't know because like the guys we interviewed had youtube channels of their own and they talked about it freely on their youtube channels so i don't know why they didn't i don't know but yeah well, that was kind of one where we're just like hmm, interesting here but uh yeah we definitely tried to like you know sift through as much as we can, like, okay, we're not going to talk about that. Like, you know, going back to our upcoming Dogman episode, like I'm not going to talk about Bray Road because it's been talked about a billion <laughs> times. And I will just, the whole episode will just be me ranting about it for, you know, 40 minutes. And uh, so, yeah, there's definitely, there's things that we, you know, have to kind of determine 
Is this worth us speaking about? Is this us worth looking at? Um, is this person, you know, worth talking to? They don't have the best credibility in the field. They've, you know, are known to kind of go off on some pretty crazy, uh, you know, topics and this and that and the other thing. Um, it's not easy by any means to kind of separate fact from fiction, especially in a, you know, a field of this where there is no, you know, certainty. Um, so yeah, we just do the best we can. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see. The next one is what advice do you have for someone interested in starting their journey into cryptid investigating? Go into it with the right mindset. Um, don't go into it with any sort of preconceived, you know, I know this is, you know, what this is supposed to be sort of thing. Like you do not, um, you need to approach this with the openest of minds and be willing to discuss these topics and change your mind um, as, you know, new evidence is, is brought to you and don't attack um, those that have different kind of points of views on certain things because um, it just doesn't go anywhere. Um, but yeah, I would, you know, align yourself with people you, you can trust. Um, there's a lot of great people in this field. Um, there's a lot of people, um, you know, there's people that I grew up, you know, following and reading their work that I'm now friends with. Um, so there's, you know, there's a lot of the old guys are, are very, very happy and willing to uh, give you their time. Um and, you know, there is a few gatekeepers out here. Um, but more often than not, you're going to find people that are very happy to uh, point you in the right direction and kind of guide you properly and uh, aren't going to lead you astray by any means. And, uh, yeah, just, you know, start doing it. It's, it's a good time for this topic. It's also a very terrible time for this topic because, you know, we've run into a lot of now with AI, we're running into a lot of AI images being passed off as evidence. And uh, for whatever reason, people believe it, even though it's very obvious that it's not a real picture. Um, so <laughs> I but, have an you know, example of that. Yeah. Jeremy great. actually wrote a story. He made up a cryptid. And it, what was it? Bladrak? Yeah. Okay, so it was for Halloween. He wrote this whole story, made up this fake cryptid. He, um, the characters were actually JT and Lacey, so, you know, us. And in the end, I end up getting turned by the cryptid, and then I kill him. <laughs> so, anyway, um, spoiler alert if you haven't listened to that episode. But I was using the AI generator because I'm like, well, how am I going to find an image for this episode? Because Bladrak doesn't exist. So I used an AI generator and I sent Jeremy this picture. I'm like, well, this one looks pretty cool. He's like, the thing has like five legs. <laughs> it didn't do it. There was always something particularly off with it. So I'm like, well, how do I fix that? Because when I try to fix it, it gives me different images, and I want that image, but, you know. So that was my first time ever playing with an AI generator, and it's kind of crazy. 
spiritually. Yeah, I know. I know some people within the field that have like put out like you know when they first released it, they released it as a joke, like this is just for fun. And oh, every no, so and often, up. you'll see them get shared by people as evidence of things. Real new. Uh. And it's so we, you know, we have, so it's always, a, it's like a running joke between a bunch of us. Like anytime we see it, we send it to the person. We're like, ah, it's, it's back. <laughs> it's back. <laughs> well, look at, uh, if, you know, going into like the creepy pasta world, look at oh, Slender yeah. Man. Mm-hmm. He was a image that someone created for a contest mm-hmm. and became this huge creepy pasta lore. So much so that two little girls tried to murder their best murder friend, friend. Yeah, which we in, I, is insane. We, we run into that a lot in the cryptid field, where people put a lot of stake into these things that are very obviously creepypastas, but they, you know, make them into like a cryptid, whatever. Um, and it's tough. Um, but yeah, I think where was I once? I was somewhere and I was, I, it got brought up that I did cryptozoology and this guy was like, oh, cool. And then he started going off on, you know, what do you think of Slender Man and Siren Head and all these things? And I'm like, that's not, <laughs> not, not crypto. <laughs> not, not at all. Um, but yeah, um, the, yeah, the social media space is, it's very, all over the place when it comes to the cryptid stuff, but uh, find find a good group of people. Um, there's a lot of great pages out there. Crash Course of Geology is a great page run by one of my you know, close close friends. Um, uh, Association of God, Nate's gonna kill me. Hold on, I gotta look this up. I gotta look this up. <laughs> a lot of, there's a lot of uh, the Association of Cryptozoology Cryptozoological Fieldwork and Analysis is another great page ran by uh, Nate Brislin. Um, he is a great, uh, great researcher, very smart guy. Crossword Christology is ran by Carrick St. Uh, Laurent. Um, close friend of mine um, actually helps me a lot on the research side of Chasing Legends. Um, there's Cryptozoology Facts is another one that's really good. Um, but yeah, there's a ton of great pages out there. Instagram's got a bunch of them. Um, and a lot of them are very or more than happy to allow you to share your own stuff in Um mind you you're going to get feedback and sometimes oh, it's yeah. you know a not lot of people I see, there's a lot of arguments that i see sometimes in these pages because it's not not always feedback that these people want to receive um right so that kind of goes back into you know the open-mindedness and be willing to have a conversation um it's cryptozoology not politics folks it's doesn't need to be such a <laughs> hot, hot subject are you f- um are you familiar with the group Cryptid Warfare? I am not. Okay. Well, I just heard them telling a story. I think they're I out of like the I've, Tennessee area. They might have just followed. That name is familiar. I don't know if they recently followed my the Chasing Legends Instagram or liked a post. But that name Could've, sounds familiar. They're involved. They're, I've kind of been, uh, you know, putting your name out there for the group that we talk with, and I haven't personally talked with them, but they are involved with a lot of the podcasts that we do work with, 
but basically they are they're former military and police and they joined this you know cryptid group then they call themselves cryptid warfare and they also have a podcast and they were just on another podcast and they brought out a huge point that i never thought of it's not only the cryptids that you may be hunting or the animals like the alligators and stuff that are out there they ran into an issue where they didn't research the area that they were going very well and found out that they landed themselves in a pot growing area where the people in that area did not take kindly to it. And they were like chased down all night and like hiding in ditches. And luckily they had guns and stuff with them and they didn't have to use them, but it was the story that they were telling. I mean, basically they went out to go on a couple hour excursion just to check this area out, ended up being out there for almost eight hours. Cause they were like hiding in ditches and stuff. And yes. luckily when they went out there, they covered their car with brush and stuff. So the people didn't even see their car. Cause they were afraid that if they, you know, if they had found the car, they would have slashed their, slashed their tires so that was a part of it I never thought of. You have to be careful of humans, the, oh, yeah. the worst ones. <laughs> I mean, we, like, I do, like, before we even, like, go out on an investigation, like, I'm surveying, like, Google Earth and, you know, kind of pinpointing, like, the best possible place where we can go where we're not going to run into private property. Um, just, you know, just because of that risk, but also, you know, the farther away from people you're going to be is the more likely you're going to, you know, have experiences. Um, right. Yeah. It's, it's pretty wild. We had, and kind of on a different note, similar to that. So we had, we talked with the guy in the Pukwudgie episode, John Horgan, and he talked about how he has spoken with paranormal groups that have gone out into the area that we investigated. And you'll have two different groups on opposite ends of this at the same time doing call and response things for like Bigfoot and they'll be talking to each other, not realizing that they're talking to each other. (laughs) So they're thinking they're getting all this great evidence. (laughs) So they're like, you know, they'll be, they'll be howling out and doing wood knocks. And then the opposing team thinks that what they're experiencing is, you know, some Sasquatch activity. So they'll do it back. And then it's just a back and forth of these two groups. (laughs) unknowing of each other. (laughs) Um, I've never ran into that luckily, but uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be something. (laughs) I'd be shouting out, wait, are you human over there? (laughs) Are there actual people? (laughs) All right, Jeremy, what's the next question you got for us? Well, I think we've probably taken enough time. Uh, from them, so maybe we should just wrap this wrap up. it up. Because yeah, we're already. Give me one. Give me one more. Give me one more. One more. One more. All right. <laughs> I'm looking here. How about? Can you give us a sneak peek on any upcoming cryptid investigations or projects you have in the pipeline? Yeah. So we um we have. Plans for two as of now to film this year. Um, first one will be in March. Um, second one, not decided yet. Um, it's a possibility of a third one, but we're not sure yet. Um, and then 
those episodes will release as kind of like our season 1.5. We're not going to call them season two, um, but those are going to be our like new format that we're kind of going with. Um, I mean, I say new, but it's going to look relatively the same. It's just, I'm going to like actually narrate the episodes this time around just so we can like put more info in, but it's also oh, going to cool. like help us in the editing because then we can kind of like transition to things easier. Um, yeah. And, you know, we've decided on kind of a shorter episode uh, format. So we're going to go with, I think it's like 20 to 30 is what we're going to try and stick with just so it's not, uh, we ran into with the four recent episodes that we put out um, was that we were trying to go for like a, you know, TV standard hour, which is like 42, 45 minutes. And mm-hmm. what we ran into was there was a lot of just like dead space to kind of like make that time. Um, so we're just like going to cut it back um, just to kind of keep things snappy and more to the point, obviously, you know, we don't have time constraints. We don't want to like make it shorter than 20 minutes, but if we have enough good footage and content, we'll, you know, we're more than happy to kind of make it longer. Um, but we're going to try and stick to that 2030. Um, but yeah, that'll be kind of like a season 1.5 um, sort of a thing that we're doing just to kind of like get new stuff out there, show people that we're back and doing stuff. And then, I believe in the fall we might attempt to do another Kickstarter and do a proper season two. Um, but all of that's kind of still up in the air, but yeah, we have a lot. We have things for sure coming and there's a lot that we're like hopeful um, to happen. Um, Cause with my, my dream for our season two is to have a few actually go international and um you know, explore some of these bigger topics, um, yeah. try and do some longer expeditions um, to give ourselves more potential to have encounters with what we're whatever we're looking for. Um, yeah, it's going to be a busy, busy year for us with this. And hopefully the next several years are even busier. That's awesome. Well, Nash, I have to say it is so fun. I have not, um, for, well, I guess I didn't even mention this earlier. I've known Nash since he was little. He is the same age as my son and he used to come over to our house and play. And I went to high school with his parents. So it's so crazy to see you all grown up and, you know, doing all of this awesome stuff. And I was so glad that our, you know, roads were able to cross with this, with us doing the podcast and being along the same lines of what you're doing and us being able to have you on and ask you all these awesome questions and, you know, hear all your awesome stories. And it's, it's been crazy. You were quite the imaginative, <laughs> imaginative little uh, kid when you were growing up too. So it's fun to see that you took it somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I, and I never asked you, how did you even like come across my stuff. Dylan. Oh, really? Dylan told me. Yeah. Wow. He uh, was telling me that a couple of years ago, he actually mentioned it. He goes, he asked me if I remembered, um, remembered you. And I'm like, of course. And he goes, yeah, he's going out on all these adventures, hunting cryptids. And um, yeah, so he told me about it and I checked out your stuff a while ago. And then when we started the podcast, Dylan and I were talking again and he's like, you know, you should really see if Nash would want to come on. 
because it's kind of along the same lines. And then he also went to um, school at Lakeville when in high school, and he went to school with like Dakota and Chelsea yeah. Layton and that group. Um, but you know, he's but he mentioned he's like, you know, get in touch with Nash, see if he remembers you. I bet you he'd come on and do an interview. I'm like, that's a great idea. Yeah, that's and then we interviewed uh, Jenny from TCPS Paranormal mm-hmm. and Taps uh, last weekend, and she remembered meeting you at. We talked about this on chat at some uh, cryptid or some kind of um, yeah, Minnesota, event. I think, I think it was Minnesota Paracon. I forget the name of it. It's not a thing anymore. Um, but yeah, that was way up in, I think it was like Shooting Star Casino. Like, Yeah, she said that it, it kind of went away with COVID. Um, yeah, that was, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy though. So yeah, very like I said, I haven't. Yeah, like I, I haven't. I can't even remember the last time I even talked to Dylan. So that, I mean, that's cool. I'm, you know, that's great that he. <laughs> well, you know, I think that's brought that up and talked about media. it. And- yeah, I think that's the nice thing with social media. Even though some of us really hate it, it really does keep us in connect with what people are doing. So yeah, for sure. But yeah, he uh, he says says hello. So <laughs> well, if you make it out back. to India, I will. Yeah, there's there's, I, there's a couple things in Colombia that I wouldn't mind looking into. So it's good there have. you go, take him out and scare the crap out of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, he's it's crazy. He loves it out there. He they were living um, kind of Airbnb to Airbnb out there, and they were going out. And living in like Airbnb tree houses. He lived in an Airbnb uh, um, like a mud hut type thing, you know, like, yeah, I mean, they were out in the wilderness and stuff. And I'd be on the phone with them and you could hear monkeys in the background. I'm like, "Uh, are you safe? (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. And then like their bed, um, like in one of the tree houses, they had to sleep with a mosquito net over because it was, there's no walls. Mm-hmm. So not something I could do, but <laughs> he loved it. That's awesome. Yeah. But anyway, well, we'll let you go and we appreciate your time and all of the great info and stories, stories that you shared. And uh, that was, it was a lot of fun having you on. We'll have to do it again after you get everything Kind of up and rolling, and have yeah, you come maybe on. Maybe after in. season two's uh, done, you can come on and give us a recap us. of everything. Yeah, I'm sure we'll have uh, if we if we can do the do some of the episodes that I kind of have in my head for that. We'll probably have some crazier experiences in Louisiana. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah well, anytime. We I'd love to come on again. And we'll definitely be watching. So yeah, we'll be watching you. <laughs> And we'll make sure that we share out your information as well um, for our listeners so they can watch too. Yeah. um, Chasinglegendscrew.com is my website. And that's kind of like the one-stop shop. Um, All of our episodes are there. And then all of our social links are also on there. Um, So you can pretty much get to anywhere that's related to our stuff through our website. Um, Otherwise, Chasing Legends Official is all of our social handles it's youtube facebook and instagram nice definitely go check him out guys there's a lot of great great videos on youtube we had a lot of fun watching them and some of them i (laughs) rewatched. 
Well, again, thank you, Nash, and be safe in your adventures and uh, I'll try. stay in touch. Then Thanks we'll- a lot, Nash. Yeah, thank you, guys. All right, have a good night. Bye. You too. Well, folks, that's a wrap for today's episode of Total Conundrum. And what an adventure it's been diving into the worlds of cryptids and the downright bizarre with our special guest, Nash. Seriously, who knows would end up debating whether Bigfoot prefers crunchy or creamy peanut butter? Uh, wait, what? We didn't discuss that. Well, maybe we should have. Sounds like a very important topic to discuss. (laughs) One thing's for sure, though, with Nash's epic storytelling and our passion for the unexplained, this episode was a roller coaster of laughs and goosebumps. So listeners, buckle up and get ready for more mind-bending mysteries and side-splitting shenanigans on the next Total Conundrum. Until then, remember to keep your eyes peeled for cryptids, your ears tuned in for EVPs, and your peanut butter securely stashed away from prying Sasquatch, a.k.a. Jeremy's hands. Hey, I take offense to that. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. We, we love, love you. you. Keep on creeping on. Bye. Smell you later. Thanks for hanging out with us here at Total Conundrum. Please make sure to check out our website and blog at TotalConundrum.com for news, upcoming events, merch, bloopers, and additional hysteria. You never know what will pop up, so be sure to follow along. If you want to show your support for Total Conundrum and gain access to all of our bonus content, please visit our Patreon page. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The links are available in our show notes. If you have any questions, comments, recommendations, or stories to share, please email us at contact at totalconundrum.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate the love. Keep on creeping on, mother cluckers. Oh,